Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Scran, the podcast passionate about the Scottish food and drink scene. I'm your host, Rosalind Erskine, and on this episode I attended an evening of whiskey tasting, which was hosted by the Glen Eagles Townhouse Whiskey Club, Chasing the Jam. The evening was held to celebrate women in whiskey and showcase two impressive guests, Annabelle Thomas, founder and CEO of Nickneen Whiskey, and Laura Rampling, master whiskey maker of the Glenrothes Whiskey. I got to sit down with each of them to find out more about the respective brands and roles, as well as enjoying their introduction to a selection of their whiskies, which we also tasted. Annabelle told me all about the creation of the brand and the importance of the sustainable ethos the company is built on. She also tells us about the huge effort that went into securing funding to build the distillery, including managing to get legendary broadcaster Jeremy Paxman on board. When we were raising investment, I spent two years asking every single person I met, do you know anyone who might want to invest in whiskey distillery? So the list of people, I've still got the spreadsheet. I think we approached 850 people and ended up with 45, so it gives you an idea of the rejection rate. Laura tells me about her journey into the world of whisky via wine, how Glenrothes is focusing on the premium market and what advice she has for women looking to get into the whisky industry. Yeah, I just said, don't, don't be afraid. It's not, yes, it's always been seen as a kind of stuffy old man's world. It is changing. It's definitely changing and it's changing across the board. You'll also hear Stephanie Anderson, bar manager of the Glen Eagles Townhouse, who did a great job of hosting a really fun evening. Scotsman's Scran Awards have launched and will celebrate the very best in the food and drink industry across the country. There are 16 category awards to recognise Scotland's flourishing dining, drinking and hospitality sector and we want to hear about the individuals, establishments and products that make the Scottish food and drink scene what it is. You can nominate your favourite restaurant, chef, spirit, whisky, influencer or gastropub now. Nominations are open until the 19th of May and all finalists will be invited to attend a special award ceremony on the 19th of June at Platform in Glasgow. Visit www.scranawards.co.uk to find out more and get nominating. I'm in the lovely surroundings of the Glen Eagles townhouse in Edinburgh with Annabelle Thomas, who's the founder of Nickneen Whiskey. Hello. Hello. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. That's okay. Thanks for having me. Um, we are going to be doing a whiskey tasting in a bit um, at an event, but before we start all that, we thought we'd have a sit down and chat because um, long time fan and we've wanted to get you on the podcast. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, could you tell us about Nickneen, the distillery, the whiskey, how it all came about? Yeah, definitely. So Nickneen is a young independent whiskey distillery. We're based right up on the west coast of Scotland. We overlook Tobemory on Mull and I have been working on it for 10 years. So I used to be a strategy consultant in London, so writing boring long presentations for big corporates. And the idea for the distillery came about really from two things. It's on my parents' farm and you can't really be on the West Coast and not think about whiskey. So partly it was just about the location and wouldn't it be amazing to create a distillery here? But 
I guess the bit where I really got into it was I said to my family, well, look, I'll go and do some research while I've got some time off from my previous role. And it really struck me that a lot of the distilleries that I visited were very traditionally focused. And I think there's an amazing role for tradition in the Scottish industry. But I also think it's really important that an amazing industry like Scotch moves with kind of forward and there's the there's a kind of modern element and I guess that's what we're hoping to be to bring the bring the whiskey industry forward in a more sustainable way and also bring a kind of creative different approach to actually making the whiskies so that is that is really what we're all about sustainability and creativity and how hard was that like in general but also given your location yeah really hard um (laughs) What bit was not hard? So it's pretty hard to create a whiskey distillery from scratch in the first place anyway, because it requires massive upfront investment to build it. Then you've got to lay stock down while it matures. Trying to do it sustainably makes that harder because basically everything costs more. So we made the decision to put in a half million pound biomass boiler, for example, instead of a hundred grand gas or oil boiler. We only buy organic barley, which was much more expensive than conventional barley. And add all of that to doing it in a really remote location makes it more expensive but also more difficult whether that's how we get this enormous biomass boiler down the road or whether that's where you're going to find your distillery manager it just adds a little bit of extra challenge to everything that we do (laughs) but it's all fine no it's all fine and actually aside from the kind of environmental sustainability side which is really important we also wanted to create sustainable skilled long-term jobs in the area that we're in and that is because it's remote that that kind of you know that mission exists so there's pros to it as well and it's really beautiful so like well yeah I can imagine yeah so can you talk us through the whiskey so you've got a whiskey what what does it taste like what does it you know sort of look like if anyone's not tried it yeah definitely so yeah we launched our first whiskey in August 2020 um the Nickney Organic we I'd always wanted to create something light and fruity and delicious so I hope that is what we have created Amazing. Has everyone got a dram? Yep, I think so. No one's missing. Perfect. So, Annabelle, if you could please take us through this first dram. I wanted to create something that was light and fruity and elegant, and that is partly because, alongside our mission on sustainability and creativity, I really want to bring people into the whiskey industry and so we wanted to create something very delicious and approachable. The important uh, elements I guess of how we make this are first of all the barley, that's what it also, there's only three three ingredients in Scotch right so this is quite easy. The barley is the main one and as I mentioned earlier that earlier that is organic and I think that is a really important element to bear in mind when you're tasting it. I don't know if you've ever compared an organic carrot to a non-organic mm-hmm. carrot, but the organic carrot is generally carrotier. And I think our organic malted barley is, um, is more intense and that ends in the liquid, I think, having more oiliness and texture than you otherwise might expect, especially from a relatively young whiskey. And that's also what makes it stand up quite well to soda, which is the drink that you just had. The second important ingredient is yeast. It's not very glamorous yeast, 
And most people think of it as something that you make bread with, but it is quite essential in whiskey making. And I guess I came into the whiskey ha industry having drunk a lot of beer, and you don't find a craft beer where, or brewer worth their salt that doesn't spend a lot of time talking about yeast. We use two yeasts to make every single every single product that we have out there, and that helps create some of the fruitiness that you might pick up in the whiskey. And it also just creates more breadth of flavour. So you've got the, the water, the yeast and the barley. We distill and we are trying to create something quite pure. And that means that in the distillery, we take very high cut points. And it's quite technical. I don't know how familiar you guys are with how distilling works, but you can choose which bit of the run you take. And that extracts different flavour profiles, basically. So we go for quite a high cut point and that gives you lots of the fruity flavours, but it also gives you a, a cleaner spirit, ultimately. And then we mature it in various different cast types, but in the dram that you have in your glasses, there are three cast types in there. Roughly half is ex-bourbon, roughly half is STR red wine cast, which is a shaved, toasted, and recharred red wine cast. And then there is 2% of sherry, which I like to think of as seasoning, like salt and pepper when you're cooking. Um, you might not pick up sherry flavors directly, but it adds some depth and richness. Amazing, thank you. What is everyone's thoughts on this restaurant? Yummy. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect description. <laughs> it's exactly what you should want in a whiskey. Yummy. Uh, exactly. What are your um, kind of tasting notes on this? So I think of three things: stone fruits. I get immediately. That's the kind of fruity. That's the kind of fruity elements that I pick up. Also, bananary though. Those kind of soft, yummy fruits. There's also elements of citrus, and I think that's why the lemon spray that you put yeah. on the highball works so well, because it really picks up those notes. And finally, spice, especially at the end. And so when you were building the distillery, did you were you inspired by any other sort of distilleries in terms of the still shape or the way it was going to look, or was it completely your own sort of...? I think yes and no. I did lots of research and I definitely took inspiration not just from other Scotch distilleries, but from distilleries around the world. And this was kind of, well, it was 10 years ago now. And in the earlier stages, I would say, of world whiskey really, really taking off. Um, I've always loved what Brookladdy have stood for in the whiskey industry. I think they've done a really amazing job of just looking at things a little bit differently, which I like. But we also, you know, Cavalan have done an amazing job of creating a Taiwanese whiskey. Starwood in Australia have done an amazing job of creating a whiskey that's very specific to Australia. So I think we took inspiration from lots of different places. Nice. And can you come and visit? You definitely can. Um, it is an adventure, we say, which is another way of saying a very long drive. Um, but you will be welcomed with open arms if you come. We run tours all weekdays um, and we try to make them very special and kind of intimate. We don't, it's not like we've got a tour leaving every five minutes. There's only two tours a day. So also please make sure you book. Um, but you will get the kind of whole experience. You will get coffee and cake and the story and lots of whiskey to taste. Nice. Sounds good. So you've kind of got a all, if not all female, more female to male team. Was that deliberate? Definitely not. Um, it's really interesting, the kind of women in whiskey thing. It's honestly not something I thought about for the first four or five years of doing this. Um, no one really commented on it. I didn't think it was a big deal. And then as we've kind of launched the whiskey and we've become, we've had more of a public profile, more and more people have kind of commented on it. And 
it's great. You know, the whiskey industry still is more male dominated than female. And that's a problem in many industries. But if we can do a little bit to change that, I think that's a good thing. But we didn't set out with a hiring strategy. You know, we're still a small firm. We don't really have a hiring strategy. Um, But I think the reality is that the reason diversity is important in any industry is because seeing a diverse group of people at the top of a company, in this case, a woman, you know, running a whiskey distillery attracts a more diverse group of people into the industry. And I think that can only be a good thing. Yeah. And you do an intern programme as well. We do, definitely. And I think that is our kind of small contribution to try to encourage other women into the industry, even if it's not with Nick Nian. So it's a week's work experience and we try to show them every aspect of the company to the extent that we can. So how the actual distilling works. So I think there's this perception that women can't do the actual distilling. It's like, it's not like we're hauling tons of malt around anymore. We have machines to do these for us. And actually Lorna, who was our first employee, had never distilled before. And Gordon, our distillery managers, trained her and all the rest of our team up from scratch in distilling. So it's really open to anyone just to give those two women a flavour of kind of what a whiskey company can look like and you know, they might not end up working for us, but if that encourages them to look at the industry differently, then that's a really good thing. Yeah. So you mentioned Brew Lady there. So they've just today announced that they're doing a rye whiskey, which I think is kind of on the rise. Is that something that would interest you given its kind of sustainable nature and environment? It's a re- yeah, I saw that today. It's a really cool release. Yes and no. From an actual distilling point of view, it's very hard to work with. Um, so that would be... A little intimidating and actually our organic farm it is so the reason they've done it and the kind of connection to farming is that it's used as a rotation crop in a really valuable way our farmers work a little bit differently because we're organic they can have absolutely no help to grow what they grow and all of them rotate grass i.e animals for the manure in a generally a three to two patterns so you have two years of malting barley and then three years of cows on the field basically and that I think is quite essential to make the organic ecosystem work if you like that being said I really love rye whiskey and I think it's really cool but we wouldn't if we did it it wouldn't be specifically for the farming reasons so what you have in your glasses now is quiet rebels Lorna So every autumn, we release a special edition called Quiet Rebels. Um, And this is all about people. So I've talked a lot about sustainability from an environmental point of view, but people is also really important to who we are and what we do. And the idea behind the whiskey for this release, first of all, is to celebrate the people in our team. So every year, based on when you started working at the company, we release a whiskey in our team's name. And it's very simple. Matt, who is our blender, sits down with this person, in this case, Lorna, and taste a whole range of whiskies with them. Not nicknamed whiskies, just a whole range of whiskies out there in the world and tries to get an idea for what they like. And this is far in advance of the release and then tries to create something from the nicknamed warehouse by using finishing casks and other elements that we already have in the warehouse to reflect what they love. And so Lorna was our first ever employee. Quiet Rebels, the first one was mine, obviously. That's the at least some privilege I get for setting up the company. The second one was Lorna. So Lorna joined us two years before we even started distilling. She's married to our farm manager. And we said, look, we'd love you to work in the distillery, but in the meantime, we've got to build the distillery. And she did the most heroic job of looking after the f- up to 40 builders that we had to accommodate on site because the distillery is so remote 
for a year and a half, which I think she deserves many more things than a whiskey in her name for. And then once we got through that phase, I said, right, Lorna, what do you want to do next? This is, you know, all of the stuff we're going to have going on in the cinema. And she said, I absolutely want to make the whiskey. Lorna has an extremely sweet tooth. And so that is what Matt has tried to reflect here. Um, and what you'll find in your glass is basically a mix of ex-bourbon cask, from which you get all of the lovely vanilla sweet notes anyway, and also some casks finished in Pinot de Chirant cask, which is a French sweet wine. We are B Corp certified. So who knows what B Corp is? A few. So B Corp is originally a US founded movement and it's a bit like organic certification, but for being a good company. So we actually have written into our articles of association, i.e. the documents that govern our company, that we put people, planet and profit on an equal footing which is quite a revolutionary idea because most companies are all about profit. Um, so we are duty-bound to consider all of those three elements in any of the decision-making we do. We're in a really, really remote, small community, and part of what we wanted to do in setting up the distillery originally was create long-term, sustainable, skilled jobs in a very small community, keep young people there, and that's what keeps a kind of community thriving, and that's also very much reflected in this bottling. You've got a relatively famous investor. You know, are you all right to tell us a bit about that? Yes, we do. Um, well, we have... Um, yeah, raising the investment was definitely the hardest part of anything that we've done because it was... Yeah, it took two years and we were raising money off a bit of paper, which is a hard thing to do. And, you know, people are used to seeing prototypes, but you can't magic up a matured whiskey overnight without a distillery. So it was a tough gig. So, yeah, we have... 45 very supportive investors but the one that has caught the attention is Jeremy Paxman I got to meet him and he supported what we were doing at some point that got picked up by lots of the papers which is which is great but it's not it's not the reason we brought him on board and uh, yeah it's not something we try to shout about too much because I think he he might shout at you yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly but were you meeting him for that reason or was it just happened to be... No, 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 we were meeting him for that reason. I mean, but I mean, basically, when, I, when we were raising investment, I spent two years asking every single person I met, do you know anyone who might want to invest in a whiskey distillery? It doesn't matter whether I was buying a coffee off you or, like, sitting next to you on the train. I was like, so... <laughs> I was going to say, how do you do that? But just ask literally everybody and then they'll just... So the list of people, I've still got the spreadsheet. I think we approached 850 people and end up with 45, so it gives you an idea of the rejection rate. But it's fine now. <laughs> I keep saying exactly, that. <laughs> exactly. For the third jam of the evening, we tasted the Glenrothes 18-year-old and Laura Rampling, master whiskey maker, talked us through it. Perfect. So I think immediately on the nose, we can all tell this is a very different dram compared to the first two that we've had. Um, so Laura, take it away. Sure. Um, well, before I talk through this specific one, I'll take you back to basics a little bit on Glenroth's uh, spirit because the new make is something that we feel is absolutely fundamental, uh, very similar to, to Annabelle, but different, uh, different style. Our new make spirit, it comes off our stills really light and delicate and fruity. That's, that's how, how we want it. There are lots of factors that go into that. So our water source on our estate, really, really important. If you have the privilege of going to the estate, which is, is pretty rare because we don't have a visitor centre actually, so we're very hidden. But we do sometimes have visitors come um, and, and, and we look after them, we take them up to the water source, which is just up the hill. There's 
Brockhill on one side and Ardcanny on the other, um, and then two others uh, down at the bottom of the estate. And you can literally go and fill your glass with the water that we use from and drink from the water source straight out the ground, it bubbles out the ground, and that is the water that we use for production. And that water is really soft, so very low mineral content, um, and it's, it's, it's just, yeah, very, very, very pure. I know in marketing you can never use the word pure, but I cannot think of another word to describe it. That's what it's like. So the water is, is absolutely crucial, um, partly because having such low mineral content, it doesn't impart any unwanted taints to the, to the whiskey. Um, it also means we don't have to treat it with chemicals. We literally pass it through a UV light. That's all the treatment is required um, before it gets used. And then there's something that magic that happens. Annabelle and I were talking earlier and what she said about whiskey making and, and, and that's from the beginning to the end is science and art. There's alchemy in there. There's a little bit of magic. And, you know, the fact that the water is so soft does have an effect on the enzymes in the malt, for example. And it does impact the way that the yeasts work. Um, and all of those contributing factors have an impact on the final spirit. We ferment for a relatively long, about 60 hours, and then the distillation is super important. So we have beautiful, lovely tall stills um, with a very shallow line arm, and we distill quite slowly. So it's a combination of slow distillation and lovely tall stills and the shallow line arm, which means that the spirit, which is the bit that connects the still to the condensing unit, it means the spirit is not forced over. There's lots of copper contact happens all the way through the distillation process as the spirit vaporizes and then condenses again back into the still, lots of reflux, it's a horrible word, but um, it's a technical term for, you know, uh, that the spirit condensing and then falling back into the still effectively to be vaporized again. And, and effectively what Contact with copper removes heavy flavour compounds, it removes sort of sulphury flavour compounds, and the fact that we are taking our time means that what you end up with at the end is a really light, fruity, delicate, elegant new make spirit, and that is really important. We then put it into casks, of course, um, and for a lot of our products, and definitely for this one, we use predominantly sherry seasoned oak casks. Uh, we use sherry to season our cars for a number of reasons. Um, sherry is about 18% ABV, or the, the sherry that we use. Uh, we have our casks made for us at our bodegas in Spain. And being 18% only, it means it does a really nice job of preparing the wood for the whiskey. So it doesn't strip out too much, it leaves the wood nice and active. Um, so there's lots of cask extractives left in there to interact with the spirit. <coughs> However, it does remove those sort of harsher tannins and, and it, there's nothing wrong with aging whiskey for a period of time in virgin oak. It can create a nice, you know, a nice flavor, um, lots of sweetness. Um, bourbon, the bourbon industry, that's what they live off of. Um, but you do get that real woodiness, that real woody character, and quite a lot of tannins, you know, quite a lot of astringency in the mouth. So we use predominantly sherry seasoned oak casks. It's a combination of American oak, which gives you kind of vanilla and toffee, coconutty flavors, and then European oak, which is spices and dried fruit and orange peel. This particular product's 18 years old, so the youngest whiskey that's in here is 18. I like to think of the 18-year-old. I mean, it is a little bit like an analogy uh, for a person because we have a, we have old stocks, 
And there's a point at which, at the beginning of maturation, the wood plays a really important role, and the, those interactions with the wood have a big impact straight away. And so you get a, wood, a lot of wood-derived flavours. As the spirit continues to age, the impact of the wood kind of drops off, and the, the maturation of the spirit itself takes over. And around about 18, I, I sort of think about it as a coming of age for our spirit. I can't talk about other people's spirits, but it's, it's at that point, because at that point you start to develop sort of fragrance, like real aromatic flavors, and the bolder, punchier flavors that you get initially start to soften, they start to refine, they start to dance you know, more elegantly together, um, and that's what's starting to happen at 18-year-old. So I'll start to talk about the liquid now. So this has been matured in, it's quite a high proportion of first fill, uh, sherry seasoned oak casks, combination of American European oak, um, and then a percentage of refill as well. But you can see from the colour, um, because the colour comes 100% from the casks, we don't add anything, it is quite a high proportion of first fill. On the nose, you should still get a lot of that fruitiness that you get from the new mixed spirit. But as I mentioned, that fruitiness is becoming more fragrant. So now, if I had a 12-year-old here, you'd get real tropical flavors, a bit like we, we, we had in your first product. Um, it's refining now. So I get a lot of pear, like Williams pears, you know, not conference pears, not the crunchy ones, but the kind of softer, uh, juicier ones. There's a lot of vanilla also that comes through from the American oak. And the, the spirit's starting to take on a fragrance. So. I get that in the form of kind of uh, fresh almonds and a little bit of gentle spice, some orange oil and a, and a hint of floral notes. And on the palate you get a lot more of the, the fruitiness, you get creamy vanilla um, and, and, quite, and quite a lot of nice spice, but it's not overpowering. What does everyone else think? Have, they, have you tried it? What are you getting? Toffee. Toffee, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the vanilla. It's from American Oak, largely. Delicious. Oh, thank you. Glad you like it. Um, so, Laura, can you just tell us a bit about your career? How did you get into um, whiskey making? Yes, that's a, it's a very good story. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of a long story, so I'll keep it brief. Um, I've always been interested in flavour and food, came from a very foodie family. And, and my dad, as a doctor, was given a lot of whiskey. So I was introduced to whiskey at a you know, relatively young age in terms of t being taken around distilleries and that kind of thing. I actually have an arts background from a career point of view. So I studied languages at university. Um, so a bit like Annabelle, um, I... Uh, I'm not uh, not so much of an outsider, but I came to it a little bit later. And I um, originally thought I'd use my languages and be a wine buyer. But then fast forward a number of years, I was working in the whiskey industry, which I developed an absolute passion for. And then the opportunity came up to work for Brian Kinsman, actually, for um, the Master Blender uh, at William Grant Sons. Um, and it was... It, it meant going back to basics, it meant half in my salary and starting from scratch, but I was so interested in the technical side by that point because I'd been working in the industry for a number of years, I thought I won't get a chance like this again and um, luckily for me they thought that I was a, a worthy candidate because I 
didn't have any, I'd done my wines and spirits exams, but I didn't have, you know, I didn't work on the technical side. And I learned from the ground up. So I just learned from him um, how to how to blend um, all the stock side of things. And yeah, and that, and that was it. And then in 2017, I moved to Edgington. So yeah, that's, that's a potted version of my story. So the Glenrothes, I was one of the people who, when I first saw it, thought, oh, Glenrothes and Fife, because I'm from Fife. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those ones that it's really delicious, and I'm not just saying that because you're here, but it's kind of sort of flies under the radar. Is there sort of plans to sort of kind of bring it more out into the forefront and kind of tell a story or, you know, what's what's going on behind the scenes, basically? Yeah, great observation. Um, we actually pride ourselves on being a little bit hidden you know there aren't any signs to the distillery actually in Speyside so unless you know where it is you can't find it that being said we're not like everyone keep out there's a, it's a there's a public walkway that goes through the distillery so anyone you see people walking their dogs through there all the time it's a very very friendly community focused place but we're not driving the commercial end in that way is a bit of a hidden gem in Speyside to be honest we've no plans to, to particularly change that because we we are fortunate enough to have you know a, a, a the distillery's been going for a long time and there's a good legacy of stock. We're very much focusing on quality um, rather than quantity. Uh, so that is the, that you know, with, with a prestige-led strategy. So it's absolutely not about mass market and get as much volume out there as possible. We want to keep it tight, keep it a bit of a reward for people who want to discover it and be able to take the time making the whiskey the best that we possibly can. So this is sort of, Annabelle's got her company and you're a female whiskey maker. So what kind of advice would you have for someone looking to come into what is seen as like a male dominated industry? And I'm really sorry if you gasped that all the time. No, uh, no I think it's a good question. I, I say just don't be afraid. And I mean, I think with any job, I have a 12 year old daughter. And so she's at the point of trying to figure out, you know, who she is. And I think throughout my career, what I've done is follow what I'm interested in, like figure out what do I really enjoy? Where do my passions lie? And then just f- follow your nose, if you like. Excuse the pun, given <laughs> what I do. But and then take the opportunities when they arise, because it's amazing how opportunities come to you when you are quite clear on what you want. Yeah, I just say don't don't be afraid. It's not. Yes, it's always been seen as a kind of stuffy old man's world. It is changing. It's definitely changing, and it's changing across the board. It's not just that more women are coming into it, which they are, but new blood, all genders are appearing in the industry. It doesn't carry that same weight, I would say, anymore. Uh, the likes of Becky Paskin have done great jobs of, of elevating the profile and, and, and actually also calling out bad behaviour. I would say don't be afraid, times are changing. And any future plans, any new releases or anything you can kind of talk about? I would say watch this space. We've just released our 42. That has gone out to... It's a global release. Uh, so that that is a pretty special whiskey. There's only 1,134 bottles worldwide. And I would just say watch this space for kind of more along the lines of that. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Huntress 2023 is called Woodland Candy. And this is gonna get a bit geeky, so sorry in advance, um, but it showcases our yeast trials. So I talked about this young spirit that we try to make and this old spirit. We also do yeast trials, where we throw in yeasts that were not designed for making whiskey. 
Um, this is the second time we've done it, and what we're really trying to do is explore and create different and unusual flavours in whisky. What you're tasting today has four yeasts in it. The two normal yeasts that we use, plus a red wine and a white wine yeast. We called it Woodland Candy because we feel like there is a lot of nice sweetness in there, hence the candy part, but there's also kind of earthiness and funk to it, which makes it a really interesting dram and very contrasting to the Nickney and Organic. I think it's amazing. Like, it's, so, it's so funky. Yeah. And so interesting how much yeast can do and nobody... Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly, which is, we know, which is fair, and it does have a massive impact, but we're just, you know, there are other things that you can do to create different flavours in whiskey, and I think it's, yeah, I just think yeast is really cool, because I'm a bit weird. Every year we do two or three yeast trials. So last year, Huntress was a rum yeast, we've got beer yeast in the warehouses, we've got Swedish farmhouse yeast, we've got all sorts of things, which are just a fun part of it, of exploring and seeing what happens. got your whiskey but you've also got a botanical spirit which i assumed was not called gin because it doesn't have juniper but that's not the case that's not the case it does have juniper and the reason it is not a gin is because the other rule about gin which nobody knows about is that you have to start with 96 percent ethyl alcohol which is grain neutral spirit so it basically tastes of nothing it's been distilled to the extent that it's lost all of any of its original flavor profile whatever it was made out of and our botanical spirit starts life as our unaged whiskey so the spirit that comes off the stills, which is clear before it goes into cask, is called New Make. And we basically divert some of that instead of putting it into casks and redistill it with botanicals as you would a gin. So I always compare it to painting. So if you're making a gin with grain neutral spirit, it's like starting with a white piece of paper and then your botanicals are the colours that you put on top and you add blue and green and yellow and they all come out as blue and green and yellow. But we're starting with a like a blue piece of paper, a coloured, a flavourful base, and then adding the botanicals on top of that, which produces a more, it produces a, a kind of richer and more interesting spirit, in my opinion, because you haven't started with that kind of neutral base. So it combines the maltiness of the of the whiskey spirit, or what would be whiskey spirit, with botanicals. And so we do have juniper and coriander in there, which are the kind of classic gin botanicals, but we also have four that we forage locally at the distillery. The major one is called bog myrtle. Uh, which is a great name, but if you spent any time on the west coast of Scotland, you will probably have walked through it. There's these low bushes, they grow absolutely everywhere, and they have this lovely herbal citrus flavour. So we forage all that in vast quantities, dry it all in the still house and redistill it. And what was the thinking behind that? Just something else to sort of try? Or... It was never in the business plan. It was just, I like to encourage the team to just think like, what if, what if we did this? And we had had these comments about your new make, the unaged whiskey is delicious. Why don't you bottle it? I went out with a forager and I just thought, well, what if we combine this delicious new make with these, all these amazing plants that are around the distillery? So we worked with Harriet Watt in Edinburgh for about six months to try and create the right recipe, which was challenging because we were working you had to find something that worked with the new make. You couldn't just add whatever you wanted. We had so, um, and we just thought it's really delicious and really different what we ended up with. So we put it in a bottle. So, given your like sustainable practices and the way you're doing things, do you think you've influenced the and the wider industry to kind of follow suit in any way? Yeah, I hope so, and that is definitely our ambition because ultimately we are quite small and we can do things perfectly, which we don't. By the way, we're also on a journey, but we can do as much as we can and have 
not as much impact as if the whole industry moves faster. So yeah, that is our ambition is to influence the wider industry. And I hope that's what we're doing. We do have people coming to see what we're doing and we try to share what we're doing and how we're doing it as openly as possible. So, Because you've got a fully recyclable glass bottle. We do. And that was a first. And it, that was a really interesting journey because when we started distilling in 2017, that bottle didn't exist. So when we set up the distillery, I tried to solve the kind of major structural issues like how are we going to use renewable energy, getting organic barley, water, waste, that kind of thing. But I didn't have the answer on packaging. And then this amazing company called Estelle had been working unbeknownst to me for five years on trying to get this 100% recycled glass bottle. And they brought it out in late 2019, which was just ahead of our whiskey launch. So we were really, I mean, that was luck. We were really lucky to find them. That has been a great partnership. And hopefully we've managed to kind of prove that you don't need to have this perfect flint glass, which is what you'll find most premium spirits in our glass looks a bit greeny it's got more bubbles in but we kind of embrace those what would be seen as flaws by the rest of the industry for the right reasons there's a 40 percent lower carbon footprint to use 100 percent recycled glass than the kind of normal flint glass so why nicknean good question so i didn't want the distillery to be called what well, tradition you just call it the name of the place i didn't want to do what was traditionally done um, and I also wanted something that kind of embodied what we were all about. So we looked back in the history books and found this amazing ancient Gallic goddess called Nishniohain. And she was known as a protector of nature and for walking her own path. So really kind of em- embodied everything that we stood for. But that's a little bit long and complicated both to say and to write. So we decided to compress that into Nicknean and the little apostrophe in our name is a kind of acknowledgement, I guess, that it's originally a much longer word. And fun fact, Nicknean, or the Nook in Nicknean is the female equivalent of Muk. So Muk means son of, Nook means daughter of. And what about your future plans? So lots of exciting, interesting liquids in the pipeline. But other than that, we're still quite early in our journey. And a lot of it is just about, you know, getting the Nicknean story out there. We're in most countries in Europe now, um, but we're just about to head over the pond and launch in the States and Canada and Mexico, hopefully later this year. So um, it's exciting to see the Nicknean story told a bit further and wider. So we've kind of talked about you being in charge and you've got a more female and male team and the name the Huntress and the name of the whiskey and distillery. So is it, are you either consciously or not gearing it more towards women? No, we're not. That being said, the fact that we're a more female team probably gives us a different outlook and a different perspective on things. So, for example, our bottle, a lot of people say, oh, that kind of looks feminine. Well, yeah, that's probably just because me and Sasha, who's our head of marketing, were people in charge of saying, what would we like our bottle to look like? And that's what we liked. That being said, I am very keen that we bring people. Part of what I want to do is bring people into the whiskey industry not sorry, not into the industry, to drink whiskey who feel like whiskey's not for them. And I think that's a really important thing that we can do because the industry needs to keep interesting and fresh and attracting new people to it, I think, otherwise it will die ultimately. And so I think if we, by being a more diverse team, can attract new people into the industry by looking different or by having, you know, if you look at our Instagram, hopefully it's a much more gender balanced set of people you see on there and that hopefully encourages women to think, oh, maybe I should try this. But it's definitely not intentionally marketed to women. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It was great to chat. Thank you. 
Thanks so much to all my guests on this episode and thanks to you too for listening. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss an episode of Scran. Scran is a logical podcast that's co-produced and hosted by me, Rosalind Derskin, and co-produced, edited and mixed by Kelly Crichton.